Today's word comes from Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the th saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. We are in part five of a brief series that took us through Good Friday and Easter. It's called Suffering of the Cross. And, um, and so this will conclude this brief series. And I want to close with a message of a very famous story. It's a very, the famous story of the betrayal, the denial of Peter three times um, of Jesus. That's what this story is about. For those of you who aren't sure what this is about, if, you, if you're not familiar with this passage, that Jesus has just been arrested and taken away. And, um, and it's a story about Peter who is who's the best. He's the leader of the 12 disciples that Jesus has poured into for three years, this guy's the best guy. He's the toughest. He is the most brave and the daring. And um, we're talking about um, basically the worst day of his life. That's what we're talking about. And so to conclude this series, I want to talk about the suffering from failure. And the suffering from failure and how we desperately need forgiveness. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. So, in three parts, part one. Failure with a capital F. That's part one. Failure with a capital F. Right? Part two. Weeping in your soul. It says in this passage, he wept bitterly. Um, I don't think that's just a one-time event. Weeping in your soul. That's part two. Part three, the power of forgiveness from the cross. The power of forgiveness from the cross. Okay? That's what we're talking about today. Um, let's get into it. Part one. Peter already said he's the best guy. Um, you just read, you don't have to read very long or know too much. Of the 12 disciples, uh, there's three that people consider the inner circle. That is, they seem to be the closest to Jesus. 
Peter's one of those three. When Jesus went up to the mountain and met with Moses and Elijah, and I know some of you are like, did this really happen? Okay, just if you don't believe in God or the Bible, just, just go with this for the time being, right? And all 12 didn't get to go. Only three went to go. It was Peter and James and John. Peter was there. Um, there's only two human beings in history that ever walked on water, okay? Same thing, again, if you're secular or not sure you believe in this ever happened, this is what the Bible teaches, that, um, that Jesus walked on water, and if you and I ever saw something like that, you'd probably freak out, because that's what they, that, basically that's what they did. They freaked out. And, but only one out of the 12 said, if it's really you, can I go out there? Okay? Would you have said that? Would you have done that? Every time I think about that story, first I go, okay, Jesus walked on water. He's Jesus. Okay, he could do that. Okay, I can accept that part. The part that amazes me is that one of these fools would actually say, can I go out there too? That's Peter. And I shouldn't say as a fool, man, that's, that's guts. And he actually walked on water for a while, and then he looked away from Jesus, and then he started sinking, and then, and then Jesus rescued him, okay? That's this guy. Jesus tells him directly to his face, the rooster's going to crow, and before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And they're at this dinner, and they all say, no, <laughs> I, even if I have to die, I'll be with you. Even if it costs my life, I'll be with you. So that conversation happened not like a year ago or two years ago or even two weeks ago. It happened like yesterday. It's really, really recent, okay? And so here we are. The chips are down. Jesus is over there, been taken away. This girl comes up. Hey, 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 I, I saw you with him. And some... And a little while later, another guy comes, hey, 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 you're with them. And then an hour later, so it's not like it just happened, bang, bang, bang. There's time. He has, like, time to think about it. Wait a second. He has time to remember that Jesus said this. And he blew it. He blew it. And Jesus sees him. I guess he's close enough that he can see Jesus. And he goes out and says, he wept bitterly. This isn't failure. This is what I call failure with a capital S. It's like, this is the worst thing he ever did. It's the worst day of his life. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. I think that's what this passage is about. I think it's an incredible passage. Um, there are numerous people who said that if you read the Bible, of course, the Bible is going to be about all these goody people who are really good. They know Jesus. They're going to be good like Jesus. And then because they're so good, we'll be good like them. They'll show us how to be good people. But then when you actually read the Bible, you get the guy who's the best guy 
and you get failure with a capital S. I want to just point out a couple other things. How do you think we know this story? It, the other, it, in some sense, he's close enough to see Jesus. I think that means he's gutsy. So when Jesus was arrested, everybody split. All of them were gone. One guy was the betrayer. He got money to give up Jesus to death. Okay? The other 11 guys, including Peter, they all took off. One guy is close enough to still see Jesus. This is Peter. So I don't think the other guys are around. So none of them would know this happened unless later he told them. I think that's how we know this story. It's the only way we can know this story. If the man himself told his brothers of his failure with a capital F. Um, I want to talk about this a really serious subject, but I don't think you can really go through life without wrestling with this question. If you've never wrestled with this question, it just probably means you're young, okay? <laughs> or, you're, or maybe you're just naive. Maybe you just had nice parents. You had nice parents, and you were raised in a nice way, and you have like a good temperament. I mean, like you just have good genes, and you, had, you lived in a nice neighborhood, and you never quite did anything that you will regret for the rest of your life. So this, he never thought this was going to happen. I mean, he, the day before, he thought there's no way this is ever going to happen. <laughs> and then the next day, it's just, life is happening along. It's really stressful. It's super intense. And then within an hour, he just had the worst day of his whole life. I want to say a couple things here. Um, if you, I want to warn everybody that if you have never failed, now some of you are like, oh, dude, I can't believe he's talking about this. <laughs> I thought I was just going to go to church. And he's talking about failure with the cow. I was like, Ugh. some of you right now or at home, you're thinking about something you did. Or maybe you did multiple times. Something you said, and maybe it was last year, or maybe it was 10 years ago, and it's still, you regret this profoundly. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. <laughs> and if you never had a day like that, you are super blessed. You are so blessed, because you don't know what this suffering is yet. And I hope that you will be one of the very lucky few. You won't know what this is about. You will go like, I heard about this. I think I can kind of know what this is about, but I don't have it in my soul. I hope you will get to be one of those few people. But today I want to warn everybody, if you are one of those people, you're like, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about, Pastor, or you're one of those people who think, like, I don't think, that's, I don't think I'm going to do that. I want to warn you, don't be so sure. 
Life is hard. Life is hard for so many reasons. It's hard because uh, the world is broken and you could suffer and it's so not your fault. Okay? You can do everything the right way and you can still suffer terribly. You could be a good husband. You could be a good father. You could never lie. Now, if that's true, you're, you're already in the top 1%, okay? So that's probably already not likely. And then somehow, your kid gets cancer and dies when they're young. It's not your fault. And that will, like, completely, like, break you. That could happen. And it does. There are things that, um, it's, that can happen in life where somebody else lets you down. So they sin against you with a capital F failure. And that can happen. And it does. But today I want to talk about the thing that we really underestimate, most of us really underestimate, is your failure. And the suffering that comes out of that. And not the suffering you impose on someone else, the suffering that's coming from you to you. That is a hard suffering, okay? And if you think that's not going to happen to you or that won't happen to you or can't happen to you, I just want to say you're really, really naive. You're tremendously naive. And so there's so many people today who think the church doesn't talk about anything that's relevant or like, I don't know if we need this religion stuff, God stuff. Okay, if you just log away religion into some kind of like useless looking building where people do this, then, then you have a really naive view of, of, of human life. Any worldview worth its salt will deal with this problem. We'll deal with this problem. And um, I deliberately waited for the last message of this series to tackle it because it's, dude, it's, this is hard. Okay? So first thing I'll say, just warn you, don't think you're immune, okay? We are all Peter. And let me tell you, Peter is probably better than any human being in this room. <laughs> With more guts, more faith, more just everything probably than almost anybody here. And he had this day. And so we are all vulnerable to this, Okay? I'll say a second thing before I go to part two. We're living in a funny time. I think the majority of human history, if we talked about this, they would immediately know, okay, we, we got to talk. This is a conversation about God. <laughs> this is a conversation about fundamental morality. This is a conversation about transcendent standards. This is a, trans, this is a conversation where we need an answer that no human being inside of our own, just this life, this life that we know, we cannot handle by ourselves. But today we live in secularity. And secularity means, secular is an old Latin word, it just means the world. And secular is not like an insult or anything, it's just descriptive. I'm just making a description. We believe that the world is all there is. Okay, or at least we feel like, because we're not sure, we just feel like the world is all there is. There's nothing more than this world. There's only this universe. The scientists know what the universe, how big the universe is, how many galaxies are, 
And that's all there is. God, don't know about that. Heaven, hell, judgment day, like absolute fundamental morality. No, no, isn't it just all relative? There's just their morality and their morality. You know, like Christian morality and Buddhist morality. You know, white people's morality and Asian people's morality. That's all we know. It's all relative. That's all secularity, okay? But I think through most of history, they knew on this issue, no way, secularity, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> Why? Because here's the basic answer today. If when you have this day and you fail with the capital F, then you tell your friend or you tell your you know, your mom or your dad or somebody you know, and they too live inside a secularity. They believe that the world's up. They don't know about, they're not sure about God. They don't have any kind of resource such as this. What they say is, it's okay. <laughs> that happened a long time ago. Or, it's okay, you'll get over it. Or, you can move on. <laughs> and some people can believe that. Some, okay? Some people can believe that. So I don't know what percentage that is. Some percentage of the people, when somebody else says, you can get past this, we'll get past it. Just get past it. We'll move on. And we can put it behind because, you know, it happened a long time ago. Some people can accept that. A lot of people cannot accept that. They cannot accept that. And every now and then, every now and then, I mean, it could be years later, nobody knows that you did that. Nobody knows that, like, it can even be understandable. It could be a super stressful day like this. Your life was at stake. But you are really ashamed of how you handled it. And every time you remember it, it's, it is like a wound, it, and it just will not go away. And, um, and I'm sorry that I'm talking about this super painful subject, um, but I want to say this thing today. Um, if you're not sure there's a God or there's a heaven or like an absolutely transcendent morality, I just want to say this to you. You have nothing for this. Okay? You're not, you, can go to, you can go to a therapist, and if they believe in secularity, I don't know what they'll do. Like, just try to, like, here, take, take this you know, antidepressant or something like that. That will not get at this problem. No way. And one of the things I just want to say is, this is a curse of our time. Because there must be someone bigger, greater. There must be something transcendent. Our life and who you are. You're, this is your, you're feeling something here where your soul, you can tell your soul is not just a body. You can feel that your soul, your, your, the core of your soul, which the Bible calls your heart, it will go on. And this problem needs an answer. And it's not just, it cannot, it's, there's no answer just inside of the world. It's, it needs a bigger answer. So, um, that's the first thing I want to say, okay? 
So if you are here, you know, this is a serious problem because if there's no God, what you really, really need for this issue is forgiveness. Someone has to take this sin, accept the fullness of it, and forgive you. Um, you know, I'm a little older now, and it's, it's strange to me today. When I was younger, everybody I knew, everybody, thought forgiven, being forgiven of your sins is serious business. They took that really, really seriously. And of course, we're talking about, we're not, it's like, okay, you had a little white lie, you know, we're not talking about that. It's, you have a capital F failure, that sin, that needs forgiveness. But if there is no God, there is no God. There's nobody who can do this. So all you're left with is you. You, the sin is on you. It's yours. It's your burden, and it's heavy, and it's really hard and painful, and it hurts. You may not cry on the outside, but just like the passage says, you weep bitterly, except it happens on the inside. So, since you're the only person left, who can forgive you? You. This is the way secularity works. So there's you. You had the worst day of your life, capital F, failure. Where are you going to get forgiveness? There's no God. So the only person who's your Lord is you, right? Aren't you in control of your life? That's why you, we like that there's no God. Because there's no God, you keep, there's, no, there's no ultimate rules, of who, how you use your money, or like what you can do, or like who you can sleep with. That's why we liked it. That's why so many people said, church, okay, no, I can handle this. You're your own Lord. But here's the problem. You now have to be your own Savior. Because the person who is deeply, deeply hurting and in trouble is you. So that person turns to themselves because that's the only person they can turn to. And now says, now, how am I going to save myself? If the sins are small, if the sins are relatively small, you could probably forgive yourself. You're like, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's okay. Because that was wrong. That wasn't good. I hurt that person. Ugh. Okay. If you have more of a tender conscience, you're like, it, it's, it hurts you. But if you don't have a tender conscience, you're like, okay, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. And you can forgive yourself. But if it was big, capital F, even if you don't have a tender conscience, you will suffer from yourself. Yourself will tell you, you failed. And it will hurt real bad. And inside, in your soul, you will cry. You'll weep. If you're like, you know, if you live in America, especially Silicon Valley, you go outside and you put on that fake face. And you're like, I'm okay, you're okay. 
I'm okay, you're okay. It's just that once a month I get rip-roaringly drunk. <laughs> and the reason you get rip-roaringly drunk is because the night before, your soul started to cry. And when your soul weeps bitterly like Peter, you can't handle it. So you have to numb your soul. And that's why people get rip-roaringly drunk. Or they do marijuana or whatever. Or they, you know, eat two pints of Haagen-Dazs. That's what I do, okay? <laughs> okay, what I'm saying? Now, I'm already in part two. Um, I want to talk about one example. And I want to start... I'm kind of sorry, and I'm not sorry, okay? This is such a painful example, but it needs to be said. We just did a series on biblical justice, and you guys know that was a hard series. It was really hard to preach. One of the things I taught was that the biggest, most horrible injustice happening in America is abortion. It violates all of the categories, Fatherless, all these kids die because there's no daddy in there, okay? Vulnerable women who are getting abortions, vulnerable women. And a big, huge chunk of them are the minorities that we don't care about. All the categories that just make God just go crazy, God just, just inflames God's wrath because this is who we are. And so there we are, this is the most unbelievable injustice happening in our culture. We don't care about it. We don't talk about it. The media basically just, you know, doesn't give it fair coverage because it's incredibly biased. But I want to say something right now. Um, a number of years ago, I listened to a, a, a pastor tell a story at our church. That, you know, this is when we were in Philadelphia. This is a pastor. He's one of the best pastors I know. He's, he's, he's an old man by his point. His name is Bill Crispin, legendary pastor in greater Philadelphia, and, um, and uh, when I met Bill Crispin, he had a wisdom and a gentleness and a knowledge. And I was like, gosh, this dude is so awesome. <laughs> I, I, I once told Young, I said, Bill Crispin is so awesome. His godliness, his holiness, his theology is incredible. If I could follow Bill Crispin around like a little puppy dog and he let me, <laughs> I would. <laughs> So Bill Christmas teaching at our church, and he told the story. So he, he, he was a pastor in inner city Philadelphia for many, many years. And once a year, they would have a day um, to stand for being pro-life. So Philadelphia is a city with tremendous racial division. There's incredible poverty and crime, it's a city that's rampant. Par, uh, fatherlessness, you know, what the Bible calls widows, the vulnerable women, and, um, and, and minorities that is just being just forgotten, oppressed. This is just Philadelphia, and throughout much of his career, this is going on. So him being a very biblical and godly man, they, of course, they're going to have a pro-life day, and they would talk about this, and their church supported the crisis pregnancy center, and so forth, and in their city. And back then, I don't even think they even had, early in his career, they didn't even have crisis pregnancy centers. 
And they talked about how they're going to have their pro-life Sunday. And then a woman who was visiting the church raised her hand when he announced, made the announcement. This is in the middle service. And said, you know, there's all these women out there. They've had abortions. We know you're against abortion. Is there forgiveness? Is there forgiveness? And Bill Crispin, he was cut to the heart. Because he'd been doing Pro-Life Sunday for numerous years. And say, we stand for life. We stand for justice. But he hadn't proclaimed, if you've had an abortion, you can be forgiven. Now, um, I was thinking about justice series that I preached. And I was thinking, when I preached those parts, I didn't really emphasize forgiveness. So, I'm sorry about that. And, um, but I knew I wanted to take a Sunday and say that. And today, today's the right day. Right? Today's the right day. We're talking about failure with the capital F. There are literally millions and millions of women. Some of them say, it's your right. You know, it's choice. You know, you own your own body, all that stuff. And some women believe that and they're like, I'm okay, okay? But there are millions of women, they don't believe that. And they are not okay. And they cry in their hearts. If you are one of these women and you're listening tonight, today, there's forgiveness for you. There's an answer for God himself. You do not have to try to forgive yourself. The Son of God came, and it is not a theory. It is not just some cheap idea that he can reach any and every sin. That he can atone, he can wash, and he can renew you. And that deep, tremendous wound that just will not heal, he can heal. He can forgive. So I beg you and urge you today to hear this word and believe that your failure can be met. And you know how I know it's true? Peter! His sin is at least as bad as that. He betrayed the most holy one. And Jesus said right to his face and received him. And he was healed. He was forgiven. And he went on to become Peter. <laughs> that can happen for you. That can happen for you. And in Christ, that's yours. By grace, by the power of the cross, that's yours. Today, I ask you, I beg you, please go to that. Would you believe that? I want to close today's message 
with this point. There's some of you who may think there's this thing called the gospel. Here are the basics. There is a God, this weird God, three persons, one God. The second person of the Holy Trinity, called the Son of God, became fully human. All these strange people called Christians, they call him Jesus. And then he suffered a humiliating, tortured death, and they killed him. And the meaning of that death somehow is that he bleeds. That blood somehow can make you clean. And then they say you can be forgiven of your sins. And then you get this new life. That's, that's, that's the basics of the message, right? So I just told you the message. I didn't preach it to you. I kind of just described it to you. And there's a lot of people who think, isn't that a cheap, cheap idea? It's like you just get away with it. Like, well, like, what if people were really, really bad? Like, really, really, like, seriously bad. Are they forgiven? If they turn to Jesus, the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> absolutely yes. Sarah murders? Yes. Racist? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's forgiveness. Even for capital F failure. And some of you are going like, well, if there's this idea out there, does it have power? Does it make a difference? And what I want to do today is I want to tell you a story to close out this message and tell you um, the kind of difference it can make. Okay? What kind of difference it can make. I'm not talking about something that happened like 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. I'm talking about something that happened recently. Something happened in our city. For people that look just like any of you. I'm going to tell you a story about that, okay? So, um, so I'm Korean-American. I'm a pastor. And um, so about 20-some-odd years ago, there's a church. It's a prominent church in San Jose. I won't say the name of this church. But, you know, among the Korean-American churches in San Jose, people kind of knew what well, were sort of the the good churches, the kind of happening churches, and the churches that are just kind of like stumbling along. This is one of the ones that everybody thought was, this is one of the good ones. And so um, there's a pastor at this church, and he's a gifted pastor, and he's a good leader. And the church is growing, they're impacting the community, making a difference. And then um, somehow, some way, he... Uh, had an affair with a woman inside his own church. I don't know why guys do this, <laughs> okay? Because if you have an affair with a woman inside your church, you are going to get caught. <laughs> so just from a pure intelligence point of view, it's spectacularly stupid, okay? Like seriously, seriously stupid. But it happens. A lot. And, and it happens to pastors. So 
Most people go to church, and they choose their church because there's a man who leads it. And the man who leads it is godly. Who the heck wants to follow a man who's not godly? So generally people have, you know, if you're not a particularly good judge of character, somebody you know is, right? So out of 100 people, at least 10 of them, 10 out of 100, usually have a pretty good judge of character, right? So this church had easily more than 100 people. I, I can't remember the exact, but they, had, they, were, they were going. And so they picked this man to be their pastor, and he did something spectacularly stupid. Capital F failure. So as you can imagine, he got caught. Churches blew up. I mean, just horrible, crazy scandal. His name destroyed. His family completely humiliated. The leadership of the church humiliated. Everybody like, oh, that, oh, that church. And, and then, of course, people scattered. So I heard about this because, you know, if you're Korean-American, you kind of hear, it's kind of like hard not to hear about this. So I heard about this as a, as a, as a young pastor, I heard about this, okay? But um, then I go off, you know, I, I, I go off and work on a PhD in Philadelphia, and then I come back, and I'm a little bit not as young a pastor. And um, I, I, was, I, I, was, I went to this gathering, and um, I met this older pastor. And you know what? It was him. It was him. And, um, I, you know, I didn't know it was him. I said, I asked his name. And then I asked him, uh, you know, where, where do you pastor? And, um, and he says, well, I'm not in ministry right now because um, I'm not, you know, I, I serve this Christian ministry, but I'm not a pastor because I, 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 uh, I, I, messed, I, blew, it, I blew it. And then he proceeded to tell me the story. So I got to find out what happened afterwards. Here's what happened. So he had capital F failure. He profoundly hurt. There are people who left the church and they lost their faith. Do you know what it says in the Bible? Jesus says that if you are a leader and you cause one of these little ones to stumble, that you should put like a super heavy rock around your neck. It's better for a super heavy rock around your neck, and you'll be cast into the, into the, into the lake. That, Jesus, Jesus said that. So don't think Jesus is super always nice. So this guy did this. He can read that passage. He's like, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me. So he um, asked his wife, Please don't divorce me. Could we go into counseling? Would you forgive me? Could we get healed? And in Jesus, let's have the next chapter. She said yes. They went into counseling. She said, he said it took a long time, as you might imagine. The marriage was healed. And then toward the end of the counseling, the Christian counselor said to him, here's what you need to do next. You should go find out every single person who was a member of your church. Visit them and ask for forgiveness. 
Can you imagine? So you're going to go. You have no idea how they're going to react. Some of them might, like, bring out a bat <laughs> and said, my son hates Jesus. Get the bleepity bleep out of my house or I will, you know, basically beat you down. I can imagine some people might have that reaction. <laughs> some grandmothers are weeping and start like punching them or something. But he did it. House by house by house. He visited them. He found all their names, house by house, kneeled before them in their living room, and asked for forgiveness. And then, wow, that was incredible, wasn't it? Then there's a family that came to our church. So I, you know, this church came out of a, a Korean immigrant church called San Jose New Hope. There's a Korean-speaking congregation, an English-speaking congregation. I was the lead pastor of the English-speaking congregation. A number of the members were part of that congregation. And a young man came into our church, into our congregation, and his parents were on the Korean-speaking side. And he came and says, I, this, this is a cool church. I've heard good, good stuff about our, in our church, and I want to join. He took membership class. He wanted to become a member. And when you be, after you do that, after you want to become a member, we ask, like, how did you become a Christian? Because that's just one of our standard things. We ask for your testimony. And then he told this story. He said, well, I didn't grow up going to church. When I was little, we went to church. And then this pastor cheated on his wife, and we stopped. And I didn't believe in God. Then one day, this pastor showed up and asked for forgiveness. And he begged my parents to return to God, return to Jesus, and go back to church. He says, that's how my parents started coming to this church. And that was when I started to believe in God again. And that's how I got saved. Our church absolutely believes in the power of the gospel. We think this is the difference between life and death. This is the difference between your soul is crumbling and dying and you're weeping from a wound that has no answers. If that is where you are today, you're dying. You're, you can be physically healthy. You can have lots of money. You can be really good at faking it. But inside, you are dying. You're dying. We want to tell you, the gospel can help you live. And the pathway to that is forgiveness. Forgiveness will not only heal and wash away your capital F failure wound will help your soul stop crying. We'll take those tears and turn them into joy. But forgiveness like this from the cross of the Son of God will have the power to help you and other people around you to forgive. And as we go in life, this is the number one barrier as to why we cannot love each other. Because we fail 
and there'll be capital F failure, and other people will fail, capital U, me, capital F failure, and we sure as heck cannot forgive them, and then love dies. But through the cross of Jesus, you can be forgiven, and you can have the power to forgive. And love will be forever. This is the power of the cross. This is what our church stands for. And I hope that if you don't believe that or you're not sure about that, you'll seriously, seriously consider this. Let's pray. There are some people here today, Lord Jesus, Their soul is bleeding and they cannot make it stop. Their heart is weeping, bitter, bitter, I guess metaphorical tears, but they're no less terrible just because they're not physical tears. In so many ways, they're worse. But thank you, Lord. those of us who have found you, we are wretched people. <laughs> we cannot make ourselves worthy of love. We know we are worthy of hatred. In fact, when we think about that most terrible day of our life or days of our life, we can't even like ourselves. We don't even, we hate ourselves. But thank you, Lord, that we do not have to be alone. We do not have to be our own, Lord. And we are, don't have to be our own Savior. There is a real Savior, a greater Savior, and it's you, Jesus. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your atonement. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the resurrection. And because of resurrection, love can be forever. Thank you. Thank you. If there's anybody here today who's hearing this, and they deeply, deeply need your mercy and your kindness. I pray they would run to you and believe in you. If you're listening to this prayer and this message, I wish we could uh, do our usual prayer response time, which we would do, and we would love to receive you and pray for you and, and maybe weep with you. We pray that you would not in any way be afraid to ask a Christian that you know. You can ask one of our leaders or you can ask me. We're more than happy to hear your story and pray with you. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would be blessed today. Amen.